hey guys hope you are good so the next episode of the shameless Shrimps podcast this is the last one before christmas so i think the best christmas presents or one of the christmas presents that i hope to give you guys is an episode of brian keen so brian is a coach entrepreneur host the brian keen podcast host the brian keen business podcast author all around gentlemen and this is his hat trick appearance on the shameless fitness podcast so today's episode is a little bit different from what myself and brian have spoken about previously uh the other couple of episodes have been mainly about kind of the kind of the mindset side of stuff so we talks about we talk about kind of slimming clubs we talk about our diets failing people or do do people fail diets we kind of talk about uh, about kind of like the, the seeing exercises burning calories and potentially what metrics to really use and are they reliable like the likes of the Fitbits and the garments and stuff like that we also talk about a little bit about kind of the difference between weight loss and fat loss and we talk about kind of the education uh, around kind of fitness and nutrition and, and, and there's a lot of information on this and we talk the last topic that we talk about is kind of do you need to count calories in order to lose weight it's 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 very thorough information and it's very chatty and it, it, it really is going to help a lot of people when they do listen to this so i'm very grateful for brian's time so guys please do enjoy the episode uh, and i hope you do brian my man how are we jane i am fantastic really looking forward to having another chat this has got to be i was trying to count up how many times i've been on your podcast you've been on my two podcasts the business podcast and the fitness podcast is this six seven maybe Five, six. We're definitely yeah. up there, though. We're getting into that. We're getting close to the old double digits. Yeah, I was kind of thinking, like, this is your hat-trick appearance. So it's like Soccer AM used to give out football for the hat-trick appearance. So I think you deserve a, a present for this. Forget, come t- three times on this. Because you came on this last year around the same time. Yeah, yeah, uh, I remember I remember that. It's just funny you said that about the hat-trick, because uh, I literally have a podcast coming out on Monday, and I've used that term for the first time ever on Monday's podcast with Maeve Madden, and it's from Soccer AM, because that's one of my favorite shows. I still watch that yeah. every Saturday. So, uh, yeah, anyways, completely Maeve, side note. That would be cool to, see, to, hear, to hear Maeve again. Um, I know this episode is going to be a little bit different from what we normally do. We normally do kind of like a heavy mindset episode. So I think this week it's going to be a little bit more of a kind of a nutrition side of things. I know I sent you over the topics and you were like, yes, let's do them. Um, so I think the main ones that kind of people are struggling with at the minute is kind of like, it's kind of coming up to Christmas. People are not going to really know what's going to happen. But I think the big thing that kind of happens at the minute is do the big question I wanted to ask was, do people fail diets or do diets fail people? I think it's one of those topics that is it's up for discussion. And I'd love to hear your 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 thought on it because you've been in the industry for so long and what's your experience on it yeah it's a great question and as soon as you told me about the topics i'm like yes let's definitely do a deep dive into this and i i kind of fall somewhere in the middle of that one of the it's a very kind of apt time to talk on this conversation because I, I was chatting to you a little bit off air i mean you chat quite you know randomly back and forth on instagram just catching up and seeing how things are and i just sent off the proof for what will be the new book it's out in september but that's all based around this topic and so when you were telling me but you want to come on and talk about you know diets and how they fail people or if people fail them i'm like oh yes i'm like this is super fresh in my mind at the minute and the kind of the whole premise of that book and again this isn't this isn't a pitch for the book because it's not out till next year but in terms of top of mind i expanding on a lot of the ideas that 
it's not the diet necessarily that fails people. And I know we're not going to talk about mindset, but I'm going to bring mindset into it because I think there's a big argument for how you approach your nutrition and how you approach a diet is very mindset based. Because like we know the tactics, like there's a micro and a macro when it comes to nutrition and diet. Like the tactics are calorie deficit, carbohydrate cycling, you know, clean foods, 80-20 eating, like they're all tactics. But for a large part, when people don't do well on their diet, weight loss, trying to lose body fat, trying to change their body composition, in a lot of cases, Shane, it's normally the approach that they're taking towards their nutrition, the actual mindset that they're coming at with their nutrition in general. And I don't think diets per se fail people. And I've kind of changed my opinion on this in recent years, because once upon a time, I would have said, you know, don't do diets. I'm like, diets are crap. They're non-sustainable by their very nature. They're short term. They're not setting you up for something that you can potentially do over the long term. And as a result of that, I was very anti-diet. Now I'm still in that camp per se, but I think there's definitely an argument for understanding that certain diets work better at certain times. Like if you're preparing for a wedding or if you're preparing for an event or something that you want to look your best for, I'm like, yeah, you should probably use the tool of dieting to get you to the body composition you want for that. But when it comes to overall what you're doing the other 11 months of the year or the other 10 months of the year, it's approaching things with a nutrition mindset versus a diet mindset. It's like finding something that's sustainable for you. And I have just very kind of straightforward principles that I get people to follow and that's that a nutrition plan versus a diet is one that fits into your lifestyle and schedule includes foods that you enjoy and is something that you can stick to I think if you regardless of what plan that is it doesn't really matter and this is something that I've kind of been arguing a little bit back and forth recently because people will say things like, and I know you cover this on your platforms between Instagram, but particularly on the podcast, if someone asks me about the keto diet or carbohydrate cycling or a vegan diet or paleo diet or, you know, even Slimming World or Juice Plus, things I'm not a particular fan of, but the same kind of mindset approach will apply. It's very much of, can you stick to it? If it's something that includes foods that you enjoy and it fits into your lifestyle and schedule, it doesn't matter per se what kind of diet, quote unquote, diet you follow, but they have to be able to tick off those things. Like that's where things like Slimming World and Juice Plus and different diet clubs can kind of fall down because they don't hit that first tick box or that first box tick of can you stick to this long term or does it include foods that you enjoy or does it fit into your lifestyle and schedule it might hit that one but then fails on the other two rungs so what I would get people to consider and we can bounce back and forth in this because I'm curious to hear what you have to say Shane in terms of your opinion I don't think it's diets per se that fail people I think it's their approach towards the diets that fail them but you also have to get clear on the front end are you looking for something short term or are you looking for something long term like there's a big difference there again something I've changed my mind about in recent years is I've, I've always been pushing the long term sustainability and I believe that for people that come and work with me for people that come and work with you because you have a very similar philosophy as a coach it's setting people up for the long term for something sustainable but there are people out there who just want a quick fix and who just want the short-term fix and that's fine if that's you but you're not going to work with the likes of me you're not going to work with the likes of you Shane if that's your mindset and I think it's very important for people listening to this to get clear on are you looking for something you can stick to over the long term or are you just looking for a quick fix for whatever reason right wrong and different because you've gained 
that bit of extra pounds over COVID. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you go for a quick fix, but if that's where your head is at, you'll probably have to make those failures and make those mistakes yourself. You know, it's getting repeatedly punched in the face and wondering why you have a black eye. Like you have to do that sometimes to make the mistakes yourself before you switch your mindset towards a long-term approach. So when it comes to diets, I think that it works in the middle. Some people fail it because they don't have the right mindset towards it. Some people aren't clear on why they're dieting or following a nutritional plan in the first place. And I think before you decide on who you're going to work with or if you're going to design something yourself, if you're going to follow a diet online, if you're going to follow a nutritional plan from a coach, all the variables and everything in between, it's very, it's important to get clear on, well, what are you doing it for? What's the reason like why do you want to lose weight or reduce body fat like what's the, the you know what you do is less important than why you're doing it get clear on the front end and then once your mindset is kind of geared towards i'll do something that's going to work for me ideally as i said include foods that you enjoy and something that's sustainable again if that's not your goal and you have something different by all means if that's what you tell your coach on the front end then that's what you work towards but get clear on that and then after it the diet it's just the tactics you follow. Like that's all a keto diet is. Reduce your uh, carbohydrate and protein intake and work mainly off fat, either dietary fat and body fat and get yourself into ketosis. Like that's the tactic. It's vegan diet's the same. You're removing meat and by proxy, you're removing some high calorie foods which might help you with the caloric deficit to lose weight and lose body fat. They're the tactics. If you can stick to that, by all means do it. But at the end of the day, Get clear on why you're doing it. And if you're doing it for something that's long-term and sustainable, then it has to fit into your lifestyle and schedule and it has to be in alignment with your goals and it needs to include things that you enjoy. If you're doing it for the short term, then I'd probably be passed on today's podcast because you're probably not going to hear it from my side. But there are people serving that marketing community out there for sure. But what are your thoughts, Shane? Do you think diets fail people or do you think people fail diets? What's your kind of philosophy towards that? I think it's, uh, as you said, it's kind of in the middle. It depends what your headspace is like i know we were talking last week or like i ran a couple of eight week challenges and stuff like that and i said to you like this this isn't sitting well with me that i i, I was promoting that i kind of did it because i obviously have the higher end product for the one-to-one and i wanted to try and get people in so i can kind of instill stuff into their ideologies and remove the stigma around food but i was like this eight week eight week thing isn't for the for everyone and i think potentially some people look for quick fixes when there are not so many quick fixes in their ideologies towards themselves or the food i think it's really important to kind of diet for the right reasons as you said having a why i always go back to the quote by nietzsche the german philosopher it says he or she who has a why will overcome anyhow and that's really really important to have that kind of ideology around and i think we live in a, a kind of a click now generation want everything now you can click on buy now on amazon you can swipe left or right get instant gratification on the, the apps you can get a double tap and get a, a dopamine hit on social media. And it's important to say to yourself, right, do I want to do this the right way for say, and if it takes me 12 months, it takes me 12 months and be content and sit around a weight or sit around a clothes size that works for yourself. Or do I want to just do a hard diet and get ready in six or seven weeks for a holiday when we can go on holidays? It has to be up to the person, but for the vast majority of people that I work with on a daily basis, it's more of a lifestyle thing. It's not more an introductory into lifestyle, how to fuel their body, how to listen to their body, how to challenge those thoughts that are coming into their head and how to potentially retreat from the, 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 the stuff that's been rammed down their throat from the likes of cinema clubs by Keto Steve and Keto Karen and all that kind of stuff. And it's important to 
be able to decipher what it works, what you think is going to work for you. There's nothing wrong with either balance, but it's about finding balance, whatever that balance looks for, look like, looks like for you. Yeah, I think a mindset shift that's useful for people is to think about dieting as a skill and not as a philosophy. And when it comes to what I mean by that, I mean dieting in of itself is a skill, like there's skill acquisition involved, like understanding that if you reduce the amount of calories you eat, you'll reduce body fat. Like that's, you know, calorie intake 101, calorie deficit 101. But that's a skill, something that you need to learn. And one of the things that I put forward, I kind of talk about this in the new book, is that if you're a fitness model or a bodybuilder, I'm like, you need to know that skill. I'm like, it's a basic skill requirement. The same way as if you play football, you need to know how to kick a ball. If you play basketball, you need to know how to throw a ball into a hoop or into a ring. But what happens with people is they have dieting as a philosophy that, right, I need to lose weight. I need to go on a diet. I'm like, that's not a good way to approach dieting, in my opinion. And as I said, and as you said, Shane, like there's people out there that will cater to that six, eight week physical transformation that is like chicken and broccoli for six weeks to lose a load of weight. And by all means, I'm not as anti that as I once was because I normally get people who have had that as their experience and I've been able to empathize with it over the years because people are looking for the they're stuck in a pain point right now they're stuck in a lack of confidence or lack of energy and they think that or else they're stuck in a, a an unhappy place and they associate losing weight and looking a certain way with being happy or being fulfilled or feeling a certain feeling like in most cases and I put this on my Instagram a couple of weeks ago in a lot of cases, and this is from my experience working with people directly and from indirectly chatting to people on social media, a lot of people, when they're trying to lose weight, think that their happiness and how they're going to feel will be affected by their weight loss. And that's not always the case. Now, for someone that's obese, that's morbidly obese, and whose life would be dramatically, or life quality will dramatically be increased as a result of losing weight, everybody else outside of that who's trying to reduce a little bit of body fat, trying to lose a little bit of weight, like, I can't guarantee losing weight is going to make you feel happier. All I can guarantee is if you lose 10 pounds, you will weigh 10 pounds less on a scale. And what happens to a lot of people is the ladder against the wrong wall philosophy they start climbing down or climbing up this ladder that is against a figurative wall for weight loss or fat loss and then they lose the 10 pounds they lose the 15 pounds and then what happens it's normally in a lot of cases like oh fuck i feel the same i need to lose 15 pounds or i need to lose 20 pounds i'm like that's it like that's you know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result and but it's so easy to fall into that trap because we think i've done it myself just not in the terms of weight loss the i'll be happy when fallacy you know i'll be happy when i'm x amount of body fat i'll be happy when i can fit y dress size i'll be happy when i'm able to put on z jean size that mindset is all about the dieting philosophy and the I'll be happy win philosophy which can be a very unuseful or non-useful way to approach something like nutrition especially when it comes to weight loss and fat loss and again just to clarify they're two different things but I'll use them interchangeably weight loss is reducing numbers on a scale fat loss is reducing fat in your body I know you cover this a lot Shane so your listeners will know this but for those that are kind of coming in new or unfamiliar with that and the dieting mindset it's very important to realize that you can use it for a time if you're trying to get ready for something and it's a good skill to have you know cut your calories cycle your carbohydrates increase your protein add in extra cardio move more really focus on your step count all of those things can help you lose body fat 
over a shorter period of time. They may not be the most sustainable thing long term. You probably want to have some form of caloric refeed either weekly or monthly or not dieting or trying to lose body fat all the time. One of the things that I'll regularly tell people who come into my circle through the podcast is like if you've been dieting half your adult life, you're doing it wrong. I'm like that's that's there's a problem. You've got feedback there that what you've been doing up until now isn't working and you need to change strategy slightly. And your goals should change. So if you're not morbidly obese or very overweight, like your goals shouldn't be fat loss or weight loss for a 12 or 18 month period. It should switch. Like it doesn't always have to be body composition based. Like sometimes it's losing body fat. Sometimes it's trying to improve a five kilometer run. Other times it's trying to get stronger on a squat or a deadlift. But your goals should change because if you're trying to lose weight and lose body fat for six, 12, 18 months and you're not obese or massively overweight to start with, you there's something wrong with your process because your goals should change. And I think when you see dieting as a philosophy, is which is what is kind of a mindset problem that a lot of people have when it comes to the way they approach their nutrition. Like that's a recipe for failure from the front end. So there's a few things there that I think it's worthwhile people to kind of check in with if it jumps out at you. If you've been dieting half your adult life or your goal has been weight loss or fat loss for the last 12, 18 months, you've got feedback that something needs to change. And in a lot of cases, you know, it's not even the tactical stuff we're talking about, which I'm sure we'll get onto. It's just your mindset in general around nutrition. Yeah, I think 100% it is, it is the, the mindset thing. And you've mentioned that I'll be happy when like you can't predict the future. You can't read people's minds like you can't see into the future. It's really, really tiring trying to always think about the future that I'll be happy when when I'm a certain weight. If you've never been there, you can't you can't tell if you're ever going to be that it, be happy. And it, like the word dieting in the dictionary means short term. So I've had so many people message me saying, through dms and stuff like that that have been dieting for 20 or 30 years and i'm like that's a long time like you dieting should be kind of done in small sporadic steps and along the way and there should be breaks and all this kind of stuff without going all science you technical but to be dieting all the time for your whole adult life and seeing failure and failure and failure and seeing and then you're not really listening to the feedback you need to kind of potentially pause and kind of say right if this was one of my kids or if this was my friend or my auntie or whoever it was, what advice would you give to those? You tell them that this isn't working. Well, they may not like it, but you can say it in a nice way and not be a dickhead about it. But I think for yourself, you need to potentially sit back and say, right, I've tried this. Is this me that's failed or or is it my ideology that I've gone out too gung-ho, I've cut out carbs, I've cut out sweets, I've cut out alcohol. And then as soon as I start to bring it back in, it's like a famine or feast scenario. And then you're eating everything around you, eating the water, eating the carpets, everything. And it's really, really important for you to kind of listen to your body and know to be in tune with it. And that was one of the things we talked, we spoke about a lot when you very kindly had me on your podcast, but you mentioned the, the quote, the insanity quote. I put up a post recently about insanity is the definition of going to slim world over and over again, expecting different results. <laughs> That's brilliant. But I, some people think I don't like SimWorld. I don't like SimWorld. I'll say it now. I think it's a big pot of shit. But, and I know Brian may not have to be as strong as taught as I have on it, but I just feel that there's no real education on it. I'm going to let Brian go on thoughts on those slimming clubs. Yeah, so it's not that I have uh, not as strong response as you. It's just that I'm slightly less emotionally attached from it 
from years of working with people who have came off the back of it. And I think you're similar because when we spoke, you know, the first time on this podcast and, you know, we've been friends for years now, we were both very anti-slimming worlds. You very much so, me coming out of it slightly. And you've even mellowed on it over the last couple of years because what, and I'm not sure, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Shane, but this has definitely happened to me. As you work with more people who are coming off the back of that, you learn to empathize with the reasons why people signed up. And just because it's, and it, it's not that it makes me dislike Slimming World because I agree completely with what you said. Like there's no education to it. So like as someone that's, you know, both of us are qualified nutritionists, like you're looking at that going, Jesus fucking Christ. Like that's the only way you can approach it. But when people are going into it, I get where they're coming from because they're they're stuck, they're feeling insecure about themselves, they're feeling a little bit lonely maybe, they might be feeling a bit unhappy, they're definitely feeling unhappy with the way they look or their body confidence. So it's an easier, what can be perceived as an easier introductory point for somebody to make a change for losing weight and reducing body fat. And like it's branded really well, like I've seen, like because we buy, my mum and dad, they buy papers, they're still in the paper kind of generation. So Sunday papers and like, Jesus, this is going to come January. You'll see all these fantastic before and after pictures from, say, Slimming World. Now, there's a huge availability bias from those. Like, people need to understand some of the cognitive biases when it comes to how these things are sold. And availability bias is the, the you know, the, your ability to pull available information just because it's readily available as opposed to being statistically probable, which means that more people are afraid of dying in plane crashes versus car crashes because, you know, uh, we see more plane crashes that are highlighted on the media, etc. COVID-19 is a great example without going down a side tangent. Like, you know, compared to the amount of people that die in car crashes versus the amount of people that die in COVID. This isn't minimizing it and anyone that's lost people due to it, you know, a massive apologies and I hope everything turns out well in terms of how they deal with it. But the, the statistical probabilities are just way off skewed because of the availability bias. And what happens with things like Slimming World is if you have... 10,000 people coming through it, you're going to have five or 10 people who get amazing results because they've gone from being really overweight to reducing their caloric intake, which is what happens. Like if you go from eating six, 7,000 calories a day, which some people eat, to eating 2,000 calories a day, you're going to have a dramatic reduction in weight. Like that's like whether you did that with Slimming World and Sins or whether you did that with a Mars bar and at, you know, 12 Mars bars over the day, you know, or seven or eight Mars bars over the day to make up that calorie intake, you'd lose weight. Like you'd lose body fat. It's just basically energy in, energy out. And when people see that, automatically they'll jump into, oh, well, I look like that. I want to get those results. So I see why people go into it. The problem with that is you're not going to most people don't get the results they expect out of it. There's normally a misalignment on expectations because you're making your relationship with food potentially worse if it's bad already or just bad in general if you're coming in at a neutral standpoint. Because what slimming clubs do in general across the board is they normally separate food into good and bad categories which I think is a fucking terrible idea for an association like food has no morals there are no good or bad foods like a chocolate bar isn't jumping around going I'm bad for you like a chocolate bar is just a caloric food that is low nutrient that's it that no more no less you know broccoli a head of broccoli is low calorie high nutrient no more no less like there's no good or bad foods like they don't they have 
no morals. But what slimming clubs do is they categorize things. They put foods into good or sins in the case of Slimming World or other slimming clubs. They have their own versions and languages based on you know which one you're with. And other foods are good. Some foods are good, some foods are bad. And that's a, a very poor way to build a negative relationship with the way you see food. And you can break your relationship with food. Like it's the same as, you know, if you're in a relationship with somebody, you know, your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband or wife, and you're constantly yelling at each other and you're constantly angry with each other and you're never communicating, like you're going to have a shit relationship. Like there's no two ways about it. It's not going to be a healthy relationship. And going into slimming clubs where foods get categorized into good or bad is the food relationship equivalent of that because it's reinforcing the belief that certain foods are bad you know one of the things that drives me crazy with things like weight watchers or anyone that does the weigh-ins unless you're overweight or obese to start with they reinforce the idea of you know here's your weigh-in day and that drives me crazy because like your weight can fluctuate daily like I wake up about 81 kilos every day and I go to bed at about 84 85 kilos every day that's what happens like weight fluctuates up and down and that's why I talk about the difference between weight and losing body fat versus reducing weight losing weight is reducing numbers on a scale it has nothing really for the most part to do with body composition in the for in general whereas losing body fat is very much about reducing the amount of fat in your body. Now, by all means, you can get both. You can lose weight and you can reduce body fat at the same time. And that happens to a lot of people. But confusing the two things is very unhelpful. The analogy I use is, it's like comparing the number in your bank account to see how good you are in bed. I'm like, that doesn't help you. I'm like, it doesn't matter if there's X amount in your bank account. If you're shit in bed, you're shit in bed. Like, and that's what losing weight versus reducing body fat is like. Just because you've stepped on a scale and you've lost or gained weight doesn't mean your body fat has gone up or down. It just means that there might be, you know, more glycogen. You might have had, you know, excess carbohydrate that day or excess salt and sodium and it's making you retain water. So now you weigh more. That has nothing to do with body fat levels. That has to do with weight. And I think when it comes to the clubs that people join, it reinforces those poor behavioral patterns around body image, around the scale, not understanding the difference between weight loss and fat loss. It reinforces negative eating patterns around separating foods into good and bad categories, which just isn't helpful for someone trying to heal their relationship or just build a better relationship with food. And again, I can argue some positive sides. Like one of the things that I've kind of thought about over the last couple of years is the reason people get good results on these plants and it depends on their starting point. Because once upon a time, I was a little bit ignorant when I started off my journey first about, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago when I qualified first and was working with people. I was very anti-diet club. I'm like, why would anybody do this? I'm like, how are people getting results with this? But as I kind of got a little bit older and a bit more experienced, I realized that it was the starting point people were coming from. So if you have somebody, you know, Karen or Dave that you mentioned and they're, you know, there's no Karens or Dave. Apologies for Karens and Daves. Listen, they're a generic name. But Karen or Dave, if they've never made a conscious food choice in their entire life and they're 32 years of age and now they go to Weight Watchers or Slimming World or a Slimming Club and now they're conscious of the food they're eating, there's a good chance they're probably going to lose weight and reduce body fat because they've gone from not being conscious to ever eating any meal to at least having an idea that portion size matters or there's calories are a thing. And as a result, they're going to get some decent results. Like, so those clubs can get people from A to B. They generally don't get you from A to Z, but they can get you from A to B. And that's why I don't want to, like, blanket statements saying they're terrible and crap for everybody. I don't think they're good 
because of the negatives that I've mentioned, but there's definitely some benefit that they're serving because there's a small portion of people who that's their entry point. And then a lot of them will do it for six, 12, 18 months. They'll, you know, rebound, they'll get poor results or they'll get good results and then get back to worse than when they started. And then they end up seeking out the likes of you or the likes of me or the likes of, you know, Paul Dermody or Rebecca O'Rourke or David Young, loads of different people who have a very similar message and then they can be helped. And they're not coming from a zero to one. They have this experience. They know that there's a problem with the way they're looking at their food. And then those people are normally easier to coach because sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're more difficult because if they've been doing it for years, they've got all these deep rooted, seeded behavioral issues that you need to like nearly rewire. But for the most part, those people are easier to work with because they've tried things in in the past. They've got semi-decent results with it and they've showed that they're able to stick to something even though it's wrong, the ladder up against the wrong wall. They're people that you can kind of get on good results. Like the people you can't help are the people who don't know they have a problem. The people that are still at the zero point. They've never consciously made a food choice. Like you can't help those people. Like they're not tuned into this podcast. They're not tuned into either of our social medias. You know, they are living their life, doing their thing. And if they're happy, amazing. You know, I don't equate weight loss with happiness. You know, after a certain point, if you're obese, yeah, you're going to have a dramatic increase in your life quality if you reduce that weight. But like if you're happy and overweight and you like doing what you're doing, I'm like, fuck it, keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, you know, just because I'm into fitness and I'm into health and I work as a coach, like I'm not going to be the you know the old adage you know don't ask your barber if you need a haircut because they'll always say yes like I don't want to be that fitness person that's like everybody should be on a plan I'm like there's mental health benefits physical health benefits all of the things that I've seen myself and with people I work with but I'm like fuck if you're happy doing what you're doing you're a little bit overweight and carrying extra pounds and you love your life you love eating the way you do you don't really want to move you're super happy I'm like fucking do you it's for the people who fall outside that bracket who are trying to make a change who don't feel good in themselves who aren't happy and they're using the wrong thing like slimming clubs to try and get the results they're the people that I'm always more tuned into just be aware that actions have consequences and if you're repeatedly as you said going back to slimming world and getting the same results and expecting different ones like that's insane like make the change and make a choice to make a different have a different action approach so that you can get new results like if you keep doing what you keep we've always done you'll keep getting what you've always got it's very much a case of right that hasn't worked take the failure as feedback because that's all it is it's not good or bad it's your emotional attachment to it just because it hasn't worked doesn't make it good or bad it's feedback that that didn't work and now you need to try another route or you need to try another angle. And that can lead a lot of people our way. So as much an anti, as anti-slimming clubs as I once was, I'm slightly less now, even though I can lay out a lot of the negatives, I can lay out some of the benefits, as I've said there. But it's very much a case of finding what works for you and not necessarily throwing out the baby with the bathwater because sometimes people need to trip. You know, it's the old philosophy that you know you walk before you run sometimes people need to trip up before they realize well that's not how you walk or that's not how you run and what these slimming worlds or slimming clubs apologies indirectly can do is they can make people trip up and fall and make them realize that this isn't what they should be doing and that can lead them towards a path of something more sustainable which i'm a fan of yeah i think like uh, as you always say you kind of positive without a negative and i think it's super super important to like if it is working for you amazing uh, but i think from both of us working in the industry um like nearly 15 years between the two of us i think it's 
it's important to kind of say to yourself, right, if if it is impacting your mood, it is impacting your energy levels, impacting you as a, as a person, it's kind of like that's more important than what it says in the scales. I just don't like the whole, like the community aspect's amazing, but the ideology of high five when you're, high five when you're down or, or, or a little bit of tut, tut, tut when you're up on the scales is just a negative connotation and a lot of people struggle with the scales and then you're paying someone to weigh you in and just kind of like, I have calmed down on it, my clients will say otherwise, but I have calmed down the ideologies towards the clubs. Like if I look at my kind of like within my 5K, uh, speaking of COVID, I have probably four meetings within my 5K uh, when when things were open. So there are there's a, there's, there people still go to them. They're, they're a clever business model. And I think even the, the creator of them or the previous MD of them has come out and said, 86 to 88% of people who do these fail. And that's the reason why people keep coming back. So it's it's important to like listen to the feedback. If it, if it hasn't worked for yourself, uh, but if it has worked for yourself, by all means, and you're happy where you're at, amazing. And that's the most important thing because a lot of people do struggle with that. Do you feel that it's like, as, as, a, as a parent as well, do you feel that there's a, is it the system or is it the education that is letting a lot of people down with regards to kind of the nutrition? Because there's so much information out there, but people are really, really struggling to find what is actually the truth. That's a great question. I'm going to double back just before I do, because you made a, a reference there about the tut tut and scale. And something that I find has helped a lot of my people that I've worked with particularly is, you know, when you go into those the, the, the clubs and you step on the scale and it's a hurrah and a celebration. If you're down, you know, if you lost weight and it's a tut tut, if not, I'm like, the way weight fluctuates, that's literally the equivalent of people rolling dice and a tut tut if you roll a three. And, and a celebration if you roll a six. I'm like, you have, like, it could be up or down. There's so many variables that determine your weight, the stress levels of the day, the amount of water you drank, the food you've eaten, the, your amount of sleep. All of these things affect weight. It's like rolling dice. So anyone that's been in that scenario where they come away and their self-esteem is feeling low because they're up a pound or up half a pound, I'm like, look, if, so, if you roll a dice and you didn't roll a three, you wouldn't be upset. I'm like, so don't get upset if your scale is slightly up because there's so many things that are variables that are going to determine whether your scale goes up or down. Um, but to come back to what you said about the parenting system and the system failing people, it's a funny one. I can't really speak to it outside of what I've experienced in my own life. Now, I probably have better experience than most with this because my background has been as a primary school teacher. So I was a primary school teacher for four years. So I have a little bit, probably more experience than the average nutritionist or personal trainer in that area because you see what kids are eating from a very young age. And there's definitely a, a lack of educational element around food. But it's it's very, I can't, I don't know the way to fix it. All I can tell you as someone that's a parent now, my daughter's five, the approach that I take is very much a, I try not to separate foods into good and bad categories with her, even though that's probably not a bad way to approach a nutritional philosophy for a five, six or seven year old, because they see the world in black and white. But it's very much a separating them slightly into healthy and unhealthy versus good and bad. And then like, you know, Holly's my daughter, I try and Make sure that she eats her breakfast, lunch, and dinner each day. And then if she wants other foods that fall outside of that, I'm like, eat the ice cream, eat the cookies, eat the chocolate. But she knows that they're unhealthy food. She knows they're not as good as, you know, a normal dinner she'd be having with, you know, potatoes and broccoli and chicken or whatever it is. So it's nearly that on a micro scale that people aren't educated and they're confused. And 
the only analogy or the parallel I can draw is don't separating foods into good and bad categories is fine if you're a five-year-old i'm like if you're five years of age i'm like that's fine but like if you're fucking 35 that's a terrible idea like it's just it's it's not a, a helpful way to approach things and if you fall on the spectrum where education is your issue now nutrition is a little bit it's so simple but so complicated. And when I say simple, like weight loss and fat loss is such a simple process. Like it's it's basic calories in, calories out. Now it's not easy. You know, there's a lot of other things that make it complicated in terms of behavioral issues and finding something that works for you and the education around it. But the simplicity is as straightforward as that. It's Eat less calories than your body needs so that you can tap into the fat stores and use the stored energy on your body, which is fat. Like, that's it. It's it's that simple. Whereas something like, you know, building muscles is a lot more complicated. Like, you need to create enough resistance and then you need enough amino acids to repair from it. Like, it, it's multi-layered. But weight loss and fat loss is a really simple process. And every diet out there that works for weight loss or fat loss is all working off that calorie deficit principle. Keto diet that helps weight loss, calorie deficit. Vegan diet that helps weight loss, calorie deficit. IIFYM, if it fits your macros, or flexible dieting, if it's in a calorie deficit, that's what's working for fat loss. It's the one thing that's consistent across. So it's really just about what nutritional philosophy do you need to follow or what kind of plan do you need to follow in order to get into a calorie deficit and then stick to it. That's it. Like, again... I don't want to oversimplify it either because it's complicated. There's behavioral issues and deep-seated habits from, you know, people's association with food from childhood. You know, the Irish philosophy of, you know, clear your place. Like, you know, Irish and English philosophy. It's very kind of UK and Irish-based of clear your place. And that there's a lot of moving parts so when it comes to education as opposed to kind of getting too macro with the system breaking or the system failing people identify if you're one of those people who the system has failed in the sense that you know you don't have a good education around food i.e you don't know the difference between what foods are low calorie and what foods are high calorie like i had somebody ask me on my tiktok last week and i get asked this at least once a week on instagram or tiktok um, you know, I don't eat a lot of food, but I can't seem to lose weight. I'm like, that's because food quantity doesn't really matter. It's calorie intake that's important when you're trying to lose weight and lose fat. Like you can eat a lot of food and not have a lot of calories. If your diet is mostly composed of, you know, lettuce and chicken breast and, you know, low calorie foods, berries, you could probably eat a lot of those foods in terms of quantity and still not be getting that many calories. Equally, you can go to McDonald's three times a day and have three Big Macs and you're in a massive calorie surplus, even though you didn't eat that much food, or even McDonald's once a day, you're, you're eating not that much food for a lot of calories. And so food quantity doesn't matter as much as people think it's calorie intake that's important when fat loss and weight loss is the goal so what i would say is if you fall on that side where you don't understand basic caloric intake find a way to expand your knowledge on it find a way to expand your circle of competence you know listening to podcasts like this shane listening to podcasts like mine following social media channels that give you good filtering probably actually not following filtering your social media channels so that you're following the right people's probably better advice than actually following all the different accounts because it's very much drowning in information stare for knowledge when you follow too many things but figure out who is it that can help you 
Is it me? Is it Shane? Is it previous guests you brought on? Whose message do you connect with? And then consume their content around nutrition and educate yourself that way around food and nutrition and how it works. And if you're someone who's on the other end of the spectrum that you know that sweet potato is a similar calorie intake to normal potato, but slightly different effects on blood sugar, you're kind of higher on the spectrum of knowledge with nutrition, but you have behavioral issues, then you're looking around your mindset, you're looking around, you know, your emotional response, your triggers to food, you're looking at your your habit system. So what habits have you ingrained or reinforced that aren't supporting you in terms of you sit down at the couch every day at a certain time and you go through a tub of Ben and Jerry's or emotional triggers, your boss shouts at you or your your boyfriend or husband yells at you or you have a fight and you turn to food you're looking for emotional triggers so that's why I'm saying it's complicated that there's lots of moving parts to it but you need to figure out where do you fall on the spectrum and then you decide do you want to work with a coach to try and fix that or do you want to try and do it yourself that just depends on a time money and resource thing on what's going to work best for you but that's kind of my thought system when it comes to the the system being broken it's more pull it back to the individual find out where you fall on that spectrum and then try and educate yourself to fill in the gaps in your knowledge yeah i think that is i think that's really really important to make sure that if you are kind of filtering out people it is to filter out people because there is information overload and you can get bogged down and you kind of get different ideologies and generally if the information is too good to be true well then it's generally too good to be true and if they're, they're, they're potentially promoting something they're potentially promoting a supplement depends on the person whatever it may be and like it like the science is calories in calories out but as you said there's a whole lot of ideologies behaviors triggers emotions relationships behind that as well and they definitely have to be taken into account by the person whenever they're starting on a journey fitness related weight loss journey whatever it may be but also it also has to be taken into account by that person and by the coach and it's about finding that right balance for that person but it's always you always have to stay in your lane as a coach I have to stay in my lane an awful lot I have no problem referring people out if I feel there's something on uh, underlying whether it's a binge eating disorder or if it's something else going on mentally or a breakup or something like that, I, will, I have my people who I will say, right, bring this person and try to book in an appointment. I, I'm not a trained psychologist. I can read as many books as I want, but that doesn't make me an expert. That's That just means that I have a little bit more information than someone else. But it's important to have those people around you that you can and bounce off ideas. And like I use Brian as a perfect example. I messaged Brian last week about something and Brian came back to me with, with advice straight away. And it's important to have those little buffers and take be careful of where you're taking your advice from. And it's particularly with kind of nutrition stuff. There is the very simple nutrition stuff and then there's the extremely, extremely detailed, like so much analysis can be done on nutrition, but you're better off sticking to the simple principles rather than trying to get bogged down and being pulled left, right and center. The one thing that kind of comes up an awful lot through DMs for myself is moving away from or seeing exercise as a way, a way of burning calories. This is ha- this happens a lot. I know the gym's open back up, which is amazing, and people have been doing running, people are doing hit sessions, all this kind of stuff. People think that they burn more calories than they actually do when they're actually doing exercise. Can you kind of advise on how to get away from this? And what have you seen from the DMs and stuff like that that you've gotten as well? Yeah, it's one of the, the it's the paradox of the, f- the fitness watches is what I think of that is yeah. um, like, and I'm a huge fitness watch fan. I, I think Fitbit, Garmin's, Apple watches. I'm a massive fan of the gamification of fitness for step counts, etc. But 
no I'm going to go off on a slight little mini rant here like know the thing that you're using and its limitations like that's people ask me I get asked this so regularly on social about calories burnt on say Fitbit or Garmin's or Apple Watches or whatever it is and they're like well it says I'm burning X amount of calories I'm like that's not accurate for that I'm like it, it's that's not accurate for that I'm like just no stop like don't follow it for that don't follow it for your sleep I'm like it's not accurate I literally had one of the girls in my program my BKF online program two weeks ago, she was like, she, she messaged me on Instagram and she was like, oh, I had a really poor night's sleep last night. Should I train today? I'm like, how are you feeling? She goes, oh, I feel great. I'm like, I thought you said you had a really poor night's sleep. She goes, yeah, my watch said I had a really bad night's sleep. I said, how do you feel? She goes, I feel great, really energetic. I'm like, fucking train. I'm like, don't listen to your watch. I'm like, your body's giving you better feedback on how you feel. And it's very easy to put everything into the calories burnt on the watch or the machine. Like I get that a lot if I put up um, like a treadmill, like I do a lot of running. So if I run a 10K, it could come up that I burnt 80, you know, uh, 800, 900 calories on the run. And people are like, wow, 800, 900 calories. I'm like, that's not accurate. I'm like, it might be within the ballpark, but I'm like, that treadmill wasn't hooked up to me. I was like, there's no way that treadmill is going to be accurate on how many calories I've burnt. I'm like, it hasn't factored in my my weight, my height. It hasn't factored in my metabolic rate. It hasn't factored in the amount of muscle I have. Like, people burn calories at different rates. And one of the reasons I have an issue with the calories burnt is it, it leads and reinforces that idea of I can out-train a bad diet, which a lot of people know consciously isn't a good thing to do and isn't true. But subconsciously, we our actions don't map to that, meaning that we'll be like, well, I burned 800 calories in the gym today. You know, I'll, I'll just have this extra slice of pizza tonight, or I'll just have this extra half tub of Ben and & Jerry's. And I'm like, if that's factored into your plan, I'm all for keeping your favorite foods. But like, don't eat extra slices and extra pieces of ice cream or bowls of ice cream just because you think you burnt more calories during your actual workout in the gym i'm like factor it into your calorie intake by all means but realize that they're not super accurate and your body is always going to give you the best feedback and one of the reasons that i get people when i work with shane that like my tracking metrics for them the people who are more advanced i normally get them to do measurements as well i'm like if you're able to do measurements brilliant but photos and clothing size i'm like they're my two major and like you know similar to you i come at everything from a science background like yes a dexa scanner is better yes fat 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 our body fat calipers and measurements are going to be more accurate technically scientifically but I'm like, what are your photos looking like? How are your clothes fitting? And then all the intangibles. How are you feeling? Like, how are your energy levels? How is your sleep? How's your sex drive? Like, all those intangibles are feedback as well. But when you're looking at photos and you're seeing your body change, I literally had a girl, this happened last week just because my program ended. So I had a, a lot of kind of conversation back and forth with some of my girls. I have guys in the program too, but you know, it's, it's a 60-40 girl in terms of my BKF online program. And one of the girls sent me, and I'm going to put up this photo in the next few weeks because... I actually had to, she sent it to me and was like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. I have, I've given up alcohol for the last six weeks. I've been following the plan. I've been doing the training program. She's like, I haven't lost a pound. And she sent me the photos and I'm like, did you see your photos though? She's like, yeah. She's like, I look, I know I look great. My stomach and everything looks brilliant. But she's like, I haven't lost a pound. I'm like, I, I, I had to kind of let that sit with her for a minute. And I'm like, okay. I was like, right, let's, let's flip this. I was like, let's say that you weighed less 
10 pounds now. You're 10 pounds down over the six weeks, but your photo from week one and week one looked the exact same, or week one and week six looked the exact same. Or you stay the same weight and you get to use this photo and we, your week six photo and your clothes are all looser and you feel better, more energetic. I'm like, which would you pick? She was like, oh yeah, okay, I, I would pick the, the, the body transformation and the scale not changing. I'm like, there you go. I'm like, and then I had to explain to her and I've reinforced it over and over again, but she was an older woman, so she's very much the difference between weight loss and fat loss. Like you can tell somebody that 50 times, but if you've been listening and following the diet lifestyle for, you know, 20 years before that, it's it's harder to reinforce or rewire that mindset over a six week period. But that's why it's important to track the right things because if you're looking to lose body fat and look better, you need to track that. If you're looking to lose weight because you need to weigh in properly for a fight or for whatever reason, you have a bikini show or you have a boxing match or a boxing fight and you need to weigh in a certain amount, I'm like, yeah, you should totally focus on losing your weight. But everybody outside of that should probably focus on losing their body fat. And the problem with tracking calories burnt in gym sessions or during workouts on a watch or on machines is it can people start, stop tracking the right thing. They stop tracking how their body's responding and it can lead to kind of a false feedback that, well, I think I'm in a calorie deficit. It, you know, it says I'm burning 2,000 calories every day and I'm eating 2,000 calories every day or, it's, or I'm eating 1,800 calories every day. So, you know, I should be in a big deficit, but they haven't changed in three months. Their body is the exact same. I'm like, well, there's something off there then. I'm like, either your calories aren't being tracked properly or your exercise output isn't being tracked correctly. Something is off there. And instead of like getting into the weeds and how to track that. Now, if you're a marginal gain athlete, like you talked about, like when I think of, you know, the the the, the high-end nutrition somebody that's looking to break down the chemical makeup of the sweet potato. I'm like, they're marginal gains. You're talking professional athletes, bodybuilders, competitors, the machines of the world, so the people who aren't the general population. Their their life, their desire, their everything that they drive towards is their sport or whatever it is they're trying to change in their body composition. They're not the general population, average Joe or Jane. Like for those people, yeah, the, the marginal gains matter. They should be tracking everything and doing everything rigidly. But for anyone that's just looking to lose a little bit of body fat and lose weight, I'm like, just take your photos and see how your body's responding. Like, leave everything else. If you want to track your steps on your watch, brilliant. Love it for that. I love Fitbits and smartwatches for tracking steps or telling the time or timing rest periods. I'm like, fucking brilliant. Super accurate for that. But not for tracking how many calories you've burnt or not for tracking your sleep. So know the limitations in the things that you're using because I'm a huge fan. Like, I don't want that to sound like I'm knocking them because it's not. I, I love them. I think they're brilliant. I have them myself and I, I think they're brilliant. I bought one for my mom. I bought one for my dad. Like, I'm a huge fan of Fitbits, particularly Fitbit. I think they're a great brand. And, but know their limitations, like everything that you're using. And I think that's why it's important just to understand that as you said, the calories burnt isn't always going to be accurate. And I would have no issue with that, except for people that get frustrated because they think they're doing the right things and they're not getting the results they want. Like that's a really frustrating place to be in. Whereas at least if you know you're not doing the work and you know you're not dieting or you know you're not following your nutritional plan to the letter or you know you're not training or moving enough and you're not getting the results, at least you're like, well, fuck it, it's my fault. You can take ownership and responsibility. Where I don't like, what I don't like to see with people is that they're getting frustrated because they think they're doing the right things when in fact, 
feedback they're not because that's a very negative spiral and can be a very negative feedback loop that makes it very difficult to break or can be difficult to break for people so it's just bringing awareness to these things and realize that a lot of machines in general have limitations so you need to test it yourself even things like tdde calculators online total daily energy expenditure calculators they're brilliant for getting your basic metabolic rate the amount of calories you need to stay the same weight and to function and then adding in your daily activities so that you know how many calories you should be eating per day but you still have to test that you still have to see how many calories you need in order to get your body to respond and your body will give you better feedback than any machine ever would I love that 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 is the feedback that you should be using. Like I'm, I love the the Fitbits, I love the Garmin's, whatever it may be, as they kind of buzz in your wrist and like, okay, go and get some steps, or go get some fresh air, particularly what what has been going on. But there's been research done by Harvard or Stanford, I can't remember which it is. They did analysis of all the the watches, and the most reliable one was still about twenty percent margin for error, and that was the Apple iWatch. That's still twenty percent off when it comes to the likes of burning calories because it doesn't take in your weight, your fitness levels, loads of different things. So it is important to use it for the right thing, which is you could be measuring your steps, but that's still not 100% because if you smack your hand against your your side or else you're driving really slowly in the car, it can still pick up your steps. It, it, it depends on sticking onto your dog or your child if you're doing a steps challenge. <laughs> uh, and that was one of the things I did at a, a corporate talk was I told them to stick it onto the, if you want to win the steps challenge, stick it onto your dog. Um, that's a great great idea (laughs) uh, but I think it's important to kind of make sure that like with the photos and I love that because that came in for myself over the weekend that the one that one of the clients she like I think she lost maybe two two pounds but if you look at it like she's a hyper responder for home workouts like the the serious genetics um and there was maybe a two pound difference and I was like well how are your clothes feeling like I have to get a new wardrobe how are you how, look at the photos beside by side people can get a little bit of kind of bite back with the photos some people don't like doing them and that's by all means that's personal preference and i'll never share a photo that hasn't been approved or anything like that i know you're the same uh with your with your crew as well i think it's the, the, the photos when people put their two photos side by side they're like holy shit and it could be only four weeks it could be eight weeks it could be whatever it may be the, the like it's it's visual reward for all the energy and ex and and energy and that you put into it either exerted or the energy you put in mentally towards it the last question i'm going to ask brian is regarding tracking of calories because i think this is a big thing that kind of comes up over and over again what are your thoughts about kind of tracking calories not dissimilar to what i said there that i i think it depends on the person like the analogy i use for tracking calories for someone looking to lose weight or lose body fat because people will ask me do I need to track calories to lose weight or lose body fat? And the answer is no. Like the answer is you don't. It's just that it greatly increases your chances and success rate. Like the analogy I would use is if you're trying to save money, it makes sense to look at your bank statement to see if you're saving every week or every month. You don't have to. You might save otherwise. But just you greatly increase your chance rate or chance of success by tracking how much money you're spending each week or how much money you're saving every month. Calories are exactly the same. You don't necessarily have to track them. It's just that it'll give you a higher chance of success with them. And when it comes to my approach, now it depends because some people I tell not to track at all. Some people, I'll have 10% of people who come to my program and I have everything calculated, calories, macros, everything. And I'll say, don't track them. I'm like, just follow the meal plan. I was like, and based on how you're responding, we'll adjust it. That's normally for the 10% of people who freak out over the numbers or 
the the five percent of people who just don't understand it. It's it's double Dutch to them. I may as well be speaking Japanese. So I normally just follow the uh, making better food choice approach. This is normally for people in the kind of overweight obese category. So it's easier because straight away making conscious food choices normally leads them to eating less calories, which normally reduces body fat and weight. But the, there's another ten percent of people who I'll get them to track it rigidly. If I have somebody that says, I have a wedding in six weeks, or I have a photo shoot in eight weeks, or I have, you know, this festival or event I want to look my absolute best for, and there's someone on the decent educational scale, they understand macros and calories and nutrition, because I have a kind of a range of people, because there's lots of different versions of my program. So I have a range of people that come through it. They're the people I get, cool, track it rigidly. I'm like, calculate, go onto the website, do your TDDE calculator, calculate how many calories you need, and then this is the plan we'll follow. And I want you to follow it to the letter. Your macros, your calories, a little bit more um, looser with macros, but hitting protein requirements and hitting calorie intake. Because if you're trying to get from a figurative 8 to a 9 or a 9 to a 10, i.e. photo shoot, i.e. looking your absolute best for your wedding and you're already in pretty good shape, yeah, you'd probably need to track things more rigidly to get more dramatic results. But for 80% of people, I follow the approach of track your calories for a week or two. Just see how many calories you're actually eating. And then based on that, we'll find a plan and we're going to try and work into a deficit. So if somebody, you know, Karen or Dave, decide they're quitting slimming clubs, and they're like, all right, cool, I'm coming through your program, I'll get them to track their calories. I'll either get them to track what they're normally eating, or for the first week or two of my plan, I'll get them to track it so they have an idea that this is the amount of calories and carbohydrates in X amount of rice, or, you know, this is the amount of calories or protein in X amount of chicken or salmon, or, you know, there's different recipes. So I'm just using basic examples for ease of simplicity in the explanation. But that's just to kind of get them a gauge. And then after a week or two, I go, cool, do it by eye. I'm like, do it by eye. I was like, now you have a general idea how much this amount of porridge looks like. Because some people have no concept of how much 80 grams of porridge oats looks like. And some people have zero concept on how much calories are in the sauces they've been adding to meals. So all that's doing is bringing awareness and a little bit of consciousness to, wow, that's quite a high calorie food, or that's quite a low calorie food, or actually that's really filling for that amount of calories in you know berries or nuts or whatever it is. And when for the 80% of people, that tends to work really, really well because I don't want people fixating on scales either, on scales in terms of weighing scales for their food. I don't want people calculating every macro and morsel of food they're eating into their food because I I don't think that's sustainable long-term. I'm like, unless you're a competitive bodybuilder, unless you're a machine, you're not going to track every single calorie of every single macro and every single meal that you eat for the rest of your life. You're just not. You know, there's the machines out there and people that will, but most people that I work with don't. So it depends. So I think calorie tracking is like a tool. Like it's a tool in your arsenal. But like everything, it works well for some people and doesn't work well for others. You know, it's you never want to be, as a coach, in my experience, you know, to the man with a hammer, the whole world looks like a nail. Like you never want to apply the exact same approach to absolutely every single person because different things work for different people. But with the amount of people that I work with my program and, and the levels at which they're coming at, that's normally the approach. I'll have the 10% of people who won't track anything, you know, 10 to 20%. I'll have another 10 to 20% of people who track every morsel of calorie and macro for the six or eight weeks or 12 weeks based on the phase one and phase two of the program based if they've got a very specific goal and they've got a 
higher level of fitness education and nutritional education already and then for the other 80% of people it's very much a cool let's track your calories get a general idea of what you're eating so you know and have a little bit of education around food and then we'll just experiment with different recipes and different food options based on what works best for you like I'm all about sustainability like when it comes to body compositional change you only have to do a couple of things that's not why people fall off like it's as simple as I said at this earlier in the podcast the simple process of eat less calories than your body needs so you can tap into fat stores like that's literally it but that's not why people fall off like if that was the case every single diet book ever written would be eat less calories mic drop and there'd be fucking one-worded answers and no one would buy them like but that's not the case it's very much a right experiment what works for you find out foods that you enjoy what fits into your lifestyle what fits into your schedule what can you stick to what can you adhere to do you need to factor in some of your favorite foods every day do you need to have a chocolate bar factored into your caloric intake every day to stay on plan or would you prefer to eat really clean during the week and then have a couple of free meals at the weekend what's going to work best for you because that's what's sustainable so when it comes to calorie tracking that's what I recommend. Again, there's free tools out there. TDD calculator, Google that, it'll bring it straight up. My Fitness Pal for tracking your calories or any alternative app will track all your calories for you. But whether you should or not depends on you as a person and depends on your specific goals. But that's how I would approach calorie tracking in general. I love that because I think so many people, it is a, like it's called personal training for a reason. So it has to be very personal to the actual person. Um, and I think tracking calories shouldn't be a death sentence it has to be a a tool to like potentially if you look at it they're tracking calories for say two weeks or three weeks if you decide to go down that route that that could save you hassle and a burden of dieting potentially and educating yourself over the years so you don't have to do it again uh, or else do it intermittently i've got clients who have lost i don't know 40 or 50 pounds who have never tracked a calorie in their life and it's just working with them on either like a food diary and kind of writing that down or send the odd picture of their food over and working on portion control. It could be, it's different systems for different coaches and I, there's nothing wrong with being the the calorie counting coach if, if that's the kind of clients that you're working with. But for the level that myself and Brian will work with, there are about 10, 15% that will never track calories and that's okay too. Will it help? Potentially, but it has to be in the right hands. And I think that's, that's the most important message out of that. Brian, I cannot thank you enough for, for having a chat again, coming on for the hat-trick appearance um, and for having it and giving so many knowledge bombs in, in today's episode. Where can people find out about your stuff? Where What's coming up next for you? I know you have an intake of the, of the fat loss program, stuff like that coming out. Oh, legend Shane, thank you so much again for having me on. I love our conversations. Like we're literally an hour in. I'm like, how does that, that happens every time. <laughs> it's know, like, yeah. you know, I love it. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, so anyone that wants to follow me hit me up Brian Keen podcast is my podcast Brian Keen fitness on all the social media platforms and the BKF online program is my online program for anyone that wants information on that it's on the website briankeenfitness.com it's on the homepage on there um yeah that's all the stuff for me I'm so excited for your next book, man. I cannot wait. That's number three, number four, number three. Yeah, number yeah, number three officially. I, I wrote a, G, a book for GA players kind of in between the fitness mindset and rewire your mindset, but that's just like a self-published book. Um, and yeah, the next one is, yeah, it's nearly done. It's nearly done. So it's gone for its first proofread. I'm going to do an edit in the new year. Um, and then as of now, it's going to be out September 2021. So I'm super excited for that one myself. That's one positive out of COVID that, uh, that brought, you, brought that forward for you. Yeah, by about six months. It was amazing. I'm delighted now. I'm like, oh, I was like, I would already be writing at this point.
exactly yeah so brian can i can i thank you enough for coming on guys if you've enjoyed the episode please do tag myself and brian up on your story and i cannot like go and listen to brian's podcast if you haven't listened to brian's podcast you're missing out um literally every week it's literally incredible guests brian thank you so much for coming on my pleasure thank you so much again shane thank you